Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family planting churches together. Journey with us as we hear from church planters all across North America, discovering what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. This week, I'm with Milton Campbell in Atlanta's Atlantic Station area to talk about Midtown Bridge. What's up, man? How you doing? Man, I'm doing great, brother. Enjoying life. Good, yeah. good. How's the wife and kids? Man, my wife, Christina, she's doing pretty good, man. Keeping busy. My daughters, they're growing. Same thing. Uh, you kind of know how it is with family. And I know, I mean, this is the first year for basketball. Yeah. Like, you, know, you already got the track athlete thing yeah. going and all that. But for, how's that been as a dad navigating yeah. kind of the sports? and As that father, like, you know, you you know, you kind of, you train as an athlete, like, you're just competitive. Yeah. And you want to sometimes compete through your child. Yeah. And so me trying to let her find her own way, it's like, oh! Like, but but she's she's getting it. Like I see a lot of potential there and a lot of willingness to work hard, which is the thing you sports build into your children. A Division One athlete, you went to UNC, right? Yep. University of North Carolina. So you competed at the highest level. How do you not transfer that to your kids? Yeah, I think you know what. I won't say I don't transfer it. I think the big conversation that we have with them is like, you know what? At the end of the day bring your best, like don't leave it all on the court, leave it all on the track, that's all we ask. Is that your integration, like between kind of as a, not to have that traditional PK kid, like where daddy's always going, daddy's always, um, absent, he's always doing stuff ministry. Like, is that is that naturally how you kind of intersect with your kids or is that, is it an additional, like what, how do you balance that, that, that tension yeah. between kind of work and ministry life and daddy, daughter time or you know, just that integration. I, I, you know what, it's, it's, a, it's a moving target. I think right now as a family, Christina and I, what we typically do is like, we're very intentional with like our family planning and trying to guard the calendar. Not saying that everything is gonna fit in that neat box, but we try to make certain that we're constantly communicating and thinking about, okay, what does this look like for the girls? And we made it early on, my, my wife is a PK, her dad's a pastor. Yep. And so she got a chance, which we always laugh about her, the two things she said she didn't want to marry was a, a, a pastor and a professional yeah, athlete. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, why you Say a millionaire. We missed it. Yeah, so, you know you got money, you yeah got but money. I think from that where it really has been kind of us being very intentional early on, just to say how do we make certain that they don't feel like they're in this fish tank yeah. and they can't just be who they are. Um, and again, it's, it, it changes each season. Uh, but I think it's been it's been exciting watching them learn how to just like leverage their influence or learning, better yet, not learned, but learning how to leverage their influence. Right. And how long how long have you been pastor again? So I've been the pastor now. The Midtown Bridge for about six years. So six approaching years? six okay. years, it'll be six years in March. When did you kind of get, when did that call to ministry? When is like, when you knew that you was gonna be doing full time? Because before that you did. Yeah, track. so I did professional track. I was in the corporate sector for a while, but about 2002 is when that, more so 2001 is when that burden, just feeling like, man, God was calling me potentially in ministry. And I'll be honest, like me being a professional athlete at the time, I ran, like literally I ran. I mean, you can say- Cause you didn't want to be broke. I, yeah, You're exactly. trying to be that millionaire. Exactly, that's it, broke. that's yeah. it. And so I think, but from that, man, God just started just like, just, just pursuing my heart. And just, man, I just started realizing, even though other people around me were saying, hey man, God is called, we see it. Yeah. You know, I was just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not listening to you guys. I'll, I'll know when it's time. And, and finally it just, it just became overwhelming and clear, like this is what God was calling. Was there a certain thing that made it overwhelming? You clear, know what, like, I think it was, was an event? it was a series. It was a series of events. It was one of just looking at the environment. I feel like I had kind of a prodigal son moment where I was like running so. And I think looking at the environment I was in, 
then. It was almost like that prodigal son, like, I don't belong here, I think. That was part of it. And then also, I think it was part of the other part of the journey was at the time, my mom had uh, probably about a year so early had gotten diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Oh, okay. And coming from yeah, a single yeah. parent home, like it was like my mom, it's my mom, two older brothers and a younger sister, it just it got really real. Yeah. And so even though I knew the Lord, uh, and the Lord was was allowing the Lord to use me, I guess allowing, if, if that is such a thing for the Lord to use you. But but I think that was kind of like the aha moment of like, okay, God, what what what, is, what are you saying? What, was there a person that came and said, I want to disciple you, I want to put, like, when did that kind of seriousness yeah. kind of come? I got to college at University of North Carolina Chapel Hill on the track team, and there was this guy, Dave Tegler, who was okay. a part of Athletes in Action. Yep. And Dave was one of those guys who just would not leave me alone. Like, he would show up, you know, my dorm, he would call me, just checking in. Uh, Christmas break, they would have an impact right here okay. in Atlanta yeah. at yeah. the airport. Okay, so what year was that? This was 94, the fall 94. of 94. Okay, yeah. I was 96, so okay. you must be a little older than yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> so he invited me, but, but let me tell you how, how Dave got me. He invited me early in the semester. And he was like, hey, you don't have to pay anything. I'll pay the money for you. And I completely thought, I was like, you know what? Get him off my back. Yes. Yeah, okay. I gave him a yes, and I ended up going to it. So, so I forgot all about it. So I show up at Christmas. I'm, I'm here in Atlanta. He's like, hey, Milton, how you doing, man? You know, the Impact Conference starts tomorrow. I'm like, Impact? What's that? It's, you know, the conference. And so I started thinking, like, I'm not going. Like, nah. And he started, he, he guilted me. He, he yeah, used guilt good guilt hey, to get me there. He was like, man, Christian I raised the money, and you know, and all this. I'm like, ah, oh, gave my word. He raised the money. I'll go. Okay. And I went, and I'll be honest, that was the first time I really saw, like, uh, black minorities, like, in the space, like, that were really serious on fire for the Lord. Yeah. And I remember a real turning point for me, even in that trip, was, uh, I don't know if they still did it by the time you went, but we would go out and do street evangelism. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So we, we're in a neighborhood literally about 10 minutes from my home. Okay. And uh, we're knocking on doors. And so, you know, each one of us will have to kind of lead the journey and yeah. go to the door and say we're in the neighborhood. And, and uh, so everybody going and, you know, we're getting the doors just shut in our face, shut in our face. And, uh, and finally, it was like, hey, Milton, it's your turn. I'm like, oh, I don't even want to be here. Like, oh my goodness. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it. And I'll never forget this. Looking back, um, there was a young girl who had just moved here from Florida, and she was going to be going to Banneker High School. Okay. And, and we ended up sharing the gospel with her, and we led her to Christ. And she called down, she called her aunt downstairs, and we led her to Christ. Amen. So that just kind of started just, just challenging my thinking, like, okay. Maybe God really can truly use me Man, and wants to use me. It, that's huge. I mean, even as a, a church leader, I'm just really trying to get our people to understand that that the power of being used by God yeah. in that way is life changing. It is right. Everyone thinks it's about me getting yep. my blessing and all that, but yep. when you are a conduit of God's Amen. grace. Dog, that is it. I mean, it's so that's crazy. what we're talking about. We're doing a series called Encounter, and it's like, who's your one? That's good. All of those things that just kind of that national thing. And so that that's that's huge because it's life changing. Because I really yeah. do believe if, if God can use our people in that way, yeah, like, I mean, it's, 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 that's a pivotal moment. I think yeah. about like I was that guy. I'm confident. Had you looked at my life and, and some of the evidence or lack of evidence, you'd have been like, yeah, yeah, it's questionable. Yeah, like um. And, and now, like, but that was a major turning point in my, in my story towards me becoming a pastor. 
So once I transitioned off staff at Elizabeth, I'm working with UYWI, I feel like God was telling me that it's time for us to make that transition out of that local church. But we always had, I had a love for the local church. So I think I knew early, about maybe three years early, I feel like God had told me I was gonna plant a church or be a part of a church plant. So I felt very clear, didn't know when, but I just knew that was on my heart. And so when I, when my wife and I, when we found, when we ended up landing at the Midtown Bridge, that was one of the first questions I asked. Um, the leadership at the time was like, hey, you know what? I really feel like God has given me this burden to plant a church. Um, is that gonna be okay? Is that something you guys get behind? And you kind of, is that against what you all feel called to do here? And it was very supportive, like that's what we want to do. We yeah. want to launch out other churches. So you started off with this burden yeah. to, to plant a church, not at Midtown. Yeah but to plant a church somewhere else. Yes. But where was that? So, so I was thinking at the time, so when I got to the Midtown Bridge, I was thinking at the time it was gonna be like in Southwest Atlanta. Okay. Which is, um, you know, Camp Creek Marketplace area, a really booming area. Um, but, um, so that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, eventually I'll plant a church, maybe three to four years out, I'll plant in this community. Um, so I came there thinking that was gonna be my journey. Okay. But but God had a different story. Yeah. So 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 part of our journey was we get there serving in leadership, getting the opportunity to really grow as a planner, started going through the assessment process. And I think that's even when we connected, I was yeah. going through some yeah. of the assessments mm -hmm. and just learning like, what does this whole roadmap to planning a church look like? And I'll be honest, like even through the journey, I was like, until God sends the right man for the job. I, I did not see myself yeah. as that guy yeah. early yeah. on. It wasn't yeah. until later on in the process how, like how long in the process? I mean, it was like, probably because you guys, you literally wasn't a candidate. Yeah, you know, they was like looking for candidates yeah. for the whole traditional yeah. filling the pool fit. Yeah you know, and all yep. that, so like. So this was about a 10 month search process. And so I'm there just, you know, hey, what do y'all need me to serve from time to time? What does that look like? And honestly, I think at that point, I was, they had asked me to lead the children's ministry okay. because of, you know, the, because of my background in children's right. ministry. So I was like, right. you know what? I mean, I, I can do it. I don't feel called to that in this season, but you know what? I know there's a need yeah. and there's a void. So, hey, I have the ability to do it. I'll do it. Yeah. And so that was really kind of, how I was serving during that season. Um, and I think just through that process, we just felt more and more in love with the people. And I, you know, your wife always, you know, I think, you know, God definitely will speak through your wives in some significant ways. And my wife's here early on in the process, like, I really feel like God told me that you're gonna be the next pastor here. Mm. And I was like, uh, I don't know, I can't say he said that to me, I'm open to it, but um, we'll see. Yeah. And so I think that was just kind of the journey of just waiting and just serving the people, loving the people, and just trusting God with the outcome. And yeah. I, I think my heart was just so much so like I really wanted to see this church survive through it all. Mm -hmm. So it was like, but I, but I'll be honest, like it was like you know I'm here, and if if it if it's meant to be, it'll be. But I think UYWI had me so busy, right? Um, there was right. I had very little time to just think about like, hey, what's going on here? It's like you know what I was really. I knew God had called me to UYWI at that time as yep. well, and I wanted to be a good steward of that opportunity. So it was very much being focused on trying to steward well that opportunity. And then about about six months later almost, that's when I learned, hey, we're kind of in this part of the process, and man, your your name is one of the top names in the hat. And, what we, and, and it was just kind of like more so just waiting then, and we'll see where God lands it. You talked about you didn't have a roadmap. I mean, we've also had a pastor fail. It wasn't yeah. the lead pastor, but we had a pastor fall and all that. Like, what is a roadmap that you would give looking back, you know, to, you know, for, to me, to anyone, like, what is that roadmap? What do you tell, usually tell pastors when it comes to, man, someone, so one of my pastors just failed and he, he was a prominent figure in the church and like, what, what would be a roadmap? I would say, so, so I would say what I've learned would be one, go slow. 
Yeah. And especially depending on your type of leadership wiring, if you are a driver and you like to just go out and kind of claim this, I say slow down because your people are gonna really need a lot more pit stops because it's so much of the hurt they don't even know they're dealing with. Because yeah. um, it is so traumatic. I mean, it's so traumatic in the sense that like you, I mean, the person who you probably, human figure per se, may have trusted the most, like the person watching over your soul yeah, yeah. Um, has let you down yeah. in, a, in a major way. So it's being a part of that network you know, and just kind of going through the ups and downs of ministry, those things, like how important is that kind of brotherhood, you know, familiar for both your wife and for you? Yeah, it's huge. I think for any pastor out there who's planning or leading and they're trying to be, you know, kind of go the Superman route, like I'm gonna do it all by myself or the Lone Ranger route, like that's such a dangerous place. Yeah. Because just that brotherhood and even sisterhood that's offered through the Sin Network, it's so life-giving. Um, just the encouragement to even just, you know, you know, one of the ways I know the enemy works oftentimes in, in my life, and I imagine many pastors out there is, the feeling of just like isolation. Yeah. And, and something happens about like, you feel like it's just me. Yeah. But then when you get in this brotherhood of this network, you realize, okay, it's not just me. There's this normalization that happens. Like, you know what? This is not, it's not necessarily normal per se, but there's a lot more pastors and leaders like me going through something very similar. That's good. I definitely want to know how well you know Atlanta. You're from Atlanta, right? I'm from Atlanta. You're from, I knew, because I knew you went to school in North Carolina, yep. but you're from Atlanta. Yep. Southwest? Yep, Southwest, Southwest Atlanta. Okay. Frederick Douglass High School. Good. Frederick Douglass High School. How well do you know your city? I think I know her pretty well. It, it, I laugh. My wife, my my wife always clowns me because she thinks like I always. I've lived east side. I've lived west side. I live south side. I live either northwest. Like I've lived all over the city, just growing up here in Atlanta. Good. All right. One of the, the reasons why, I man. Like as I'm traveling around, you know, with what I'm doing, I get a chance to talk to church planters all the time. Okay. Right. And everywhere I go, the, it's a couple of things I always hear. Man, this city's so hard to plan in. This is such a difficult this, and we, we're the number one in this. We're the number one in that. Like, so everyone has the most diverse city, you know, like our Clarkston, yeah. the most diverse square mile. Everyone has something yeah. that is so makes it so difficult. All right, what is your pitch when some donor comes in and talks about planting in Atlanta? What are some of the things that you say or some things you've been commonly hear? Yeah, I think for me, I would say to that donor, like what makes Atlanta, one, the gospel needs to be planted here is one, you think about just like, because of the business of Atlanta Airport, you got one of the, you know, it's one of the highest kind of, as far as statistics of like sex trafficking happening in okay. the city. Okay. So, so you got that, it's like, man, that's right here in the city, especially look at the west side of Atlanta, all over Atlanta, but you look at like that west side, you mean, you got the whole, the whole uh, epi heroin ep epidemic there. I mean, it's just so many things here where it's like, man, the gospel needs to be planted. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, yes, more police. We need that. We need more regulation. But in the end of the day, we need the gospel. Yeah. And so yeah. I just think about just some of those dynamics that's taking place in the city of Atlanta. Like, it really is a city that needs the gospel. You look at the nations, you think about the college campuses. Like, so diverse. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, what, what better way to, like, literally reach the nations than planting a church, like, in the, in the city near a college campus? And you're like, what? A five-minute walk? How, yeah. many, how far of a walk from Tech are yeah, you? It's, yeah, five-minute walk from Tech. And then on top of that, like we get a lot of Georgia Tech students. Well, not a lot of Georgia Tech students. A lot of our members are Georgia Tech yeah. students, per se. Um, but yeah, so it's like right there, like on the, it's right, pretty much you, are you doing on the Tech Are anything campus. intentional to reach them? Or is it just more organic because of the nature of how... I think, so I would say we could beef up our strategy to reach them. I think it is probably just more so 
the relationships we have on yeah. campus and trying to serve some of those ministries on campus. We do a good job of just partnering there. Okay. Um, and then we do we do prayer walking on the campus. We okay. do partner with some of the local ministries on campus when they're doing some of the, you know, engaging the, the students uh, with the gospel and things of that nature. So we'll send our members down there from time to time. Okay. Um, even in our community, because Atlantic Station being so close to Georgia Tech, a lot of the shopping, the hanging out restaurants and things of that nature, they will come to Atlantic Station. What else, like, how hard is it? I mean, you have kind of a, since the birth of Midtown, yeah. the setup and turn down, you guys are in a movie theater, you're in kind of this live, work, play environment. I remember when I first came here, it was just like, man, this is like the club yeah. on Fridays and Saturday yeah. nights, mm -hmm. like people. So, I mean, like, how is it doing ministry in Atlantic Station? Yeah, I, I would say one, it is hard, but then two, it's exciting. Okay. And so balancing those two, it's hard because like it's a very transient community. Okay. Like the average person stays in Atlantic Station community for about like three years, if oh, they're lucky. Oh, so it's so like it's college. Very, it very much is. Okay. So we actually have had to reshape our strategy in light of just like, you know, if we had a college student, same thing for the adults who are coming here. So I think that makes it a little bit difficult. And then you add in set up and tear down and just not having that awareness that sometimes, you know, a building can bring that stability and awareness of like, okay, at least there, I know there's a building there, even if I don't know what's happening inside that building. So that, that, that forces us to be a little bit more it's, And that's, it's, that, it's a regal. Yep, there, it's right? a regal movie. Okay, there. and yep. so and regal is intentionally trying to put, yeah. you know, churches, churches in mm -hmm. their place to use that space because when does like movies start? Yeah, most movies don't start until 12 o'clock. So they have the whole, uh, when screens are dark, kind of business mindset, where it's okay. more so like, hey, we're not making any money there. So why not make some money off, off that space? And okay. for them, it's very profitable because the only thing they have to do is get a manager there just to let us in. And then the movies start at 12. So pretty much everything from that 6.30 window when we're there, and we have to be out by 12. Okay. One other one other thing that, man, I, and please don't answer this wrong because I will clown you, right? <laughs> Seriously. Um, when someone comes in the city, man, I love burgers. I'm a burger guy. Okay. Right? You know, I love burgers. I need burger. Give me a burger. Best burger in Atlanta. Man, I'm a vegetarian. No, I'm just joking. I'm oh, just oh, yeah. We're <laughs> about, about to cry. I was just like, all right. <laughs> you know what? Huh. That, that, that's a tough one. I, you know, I, I enjoy... I enjoy steaks more than burgers, but the, the burger spot that I think I will go to, I like Fox Brothers, That's even though that's not on my side of town. I like Yeah Burger, even though it is a little bit more kind of, um, but it, that would be the one I'll probably take someone to that's closer to me in my neighborhood. Um, that's a tough one, man. I think- um, I'm, 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 I was going to clown if you would have said the varsity because oh, most no. of the people who come, I, 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 you know, know. they come to Atlanta and they're just like, take the me varsity, to the varsity. You, gotta take, you gotta go to the varsity and I'm just yeah. like, I just look at him, I give him the dumb <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, people right, go there for the experience, but not for the food. What, what kind of experience? Experience of being treated bad? <laughs> experience of being treated rude? Yeah. Like, I, like, I'm trying to figure out what experience <laughs> I don't know. people are trying to get like. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that you just said no. Varsity. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, Because, you know, you yeah. are in Atlanta. I question, if you, if you say the varsity, you know, no, I'm sorry. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not the varsity. Cool. <laughs>